Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Autism Stories. I'm your host, Doug Bletcher, the founder of Autism Personal Coach. Autistic people are the true experts of the autistic experience, and Autism Stories is where we interview autistic people to learn from their stories, experiences, and get their advice. If you'd like to be notified about each week's episode of Autism Stories, we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. Would also appreciate it if you could give us a positive rating and review as it will help others to learn about autism stories. On today's episode, I talk with Dominique Citrine about granting her fellow employees ADA requests as well as her other responsibilities as a benefits analyst. We hope you enjoy today's conversation. Dominique, thanks so much for joining me today. And I'd like to start out by learning a little bit about you and your story. Where would you say your story in the autistic community begins? All right, buckle up, because this is a story. So I've had very stereotypical autistic symptoms since I was little. I was My mom put me in special education preschool because I was not talking. I was non-speaking, and I was non-speaking until I was about six. And even then, I could only either say like one word increment type things or I would say things in a made up language or at least that's how my mother describes it. Um, I was pretty aggressive as a kid because of the communication issues and people not understanding me that led me to get very agitated very easily. So my mom, you know, after putting me in special education preschool, they told her, you should probably look into uh, autism. And she tried to go to some family practitioners, and they basically told her, ah, well, autism's for boys. You know, she's probably fine. And then after two years in special education preschool, they told my mom, oh, yeah, no, she's totally ready for general education. And my mom said, are you sure? Are you positive she's ready? So I went into gen ed, and it was a nightmare for me. And... I remember lots of in and out speaking with like counselors and psychologists throughout my youth. My mom has always been my biggest advocate trying to get people to understand like what I had or what she believed I had. And she's always been pretty open and honest with me. The next time that we tried to get diagnosed is I'm prone to meltdowns, like pretty severe, outlandish, ridiculous meltdowns. So they freaked out my mom because they got worse. The more I got bullied, and I'm in high school at this point, so I'm just like the Hulk. <laughs> so my mom put me in outpatient therapy, and the psychiatrist that I was seeing throughout that time said, oh, well, your daughter probably has bipolar disorder. And my mom was like, no, can you please give her what was at the time the Asperger's test? And she was like, no, I've made up my mind. So around the age of like 18... I've always been, I was, at that point, I was always in denial of being autistic. Around the age of 18, I was like, you know, maybe I should probably start looking into this because I really don't understand myself at all. And throughout my 20s, I got really invested in learning about autism. It is now a special interest of mine, and I'm like known as the local autism guru for my friends if they have a question about it. And I ended up seeking and getting a formal diagnosis. Um, I just got it last year, actually. So I'm 30. So I got it when I 
was 29. Hooray. <laughs> but yeah, it was a very, very long, very tiring road. But I'm here. I'm vindicated. I'm validated. And I'm doing my best. <laughs> Absolutely. And right now you're currently in the process of earning your master's in human resource management. What is it about Hi. HR management that led you to kind of wanted to pursue this degree? Because uh, I've had terrible relations with HR. <laughs> so I've always had trouble working up until I actually got to my current job. I've always kind of had trouble fitting in and following directions because sometimes the directions I received from employers didn't make any sense and there was no need to clarify anything or people didn't have enough patience for me, etc. The first time I ever actually interacted with HR was at a food service job that I was at and I was sexually harassed by one of the other employees and I tried to report it to HR and they basically said that, oh, well, um, we heard you you kicked the employee, and I was like, yes, because they touched me. <laughs> and they were like, oh, well, you know, we can't really help you out because um, you defended yourself, so sorry. And I was like, wow, okay. And then the next time I had something crappy happen with HR, I was at a retail service job, and a um, delivery driver was extremely inappropriate with me and I reported it to HR. They seemed very like uncaring about the whole situation. They did remove the delivery driver from the route, but the whole experience was just very hollow and robotic. So I basically went into HR saying, I'm really tired of all these experiences with HR and nobody really caring about me. So I want to go into it to help care for other people. Now, while pursuing your degree, you've been working at uh, Circo. Did I pronounce that right? Yeah. Okay. Right, yeah. So, um, from my understanding, it's an IT services and a consulting company. Sounds like you've been doing that for about the last three years. So, you started out in a position as a data entry operator, and, and you've been promoted multiple times si since then to your current position as benefits analyst. What would you say are the things that you've done that have been helpful in getting these promotions? Well, it was very helpful that I would say the environment and the attitude at Circo is very relaxed. I don't really, I have not experienced any managers that have caused me undue stress or anything like that. So when applying for promotions, it is very stress-free. That's one thing is it has to be stress-free for me anyways. Other people might like the challenge. The first time I was promoted, my manager just recognized I was doing a good job. And I said, oh, wow, a promotion. But then the next promotion, I had just graduated college. I had spent 10 years in undergrad and finally got my degree. So I wanted a job that required a bachelor's degree. I would say what helped me get promoted into that role was doing a lot of research about what kinds of behavioral interviews that somebody might ask because something I've noticed about interviewing in the past is most employers will use a behavioral interview despite them not working for everybody. So I went out of my way to research behavioral interview questions and just kind of practice them in my room. And then thankfully, I said, well, not very thankfully for the what it was, but when COVID was 
was ramped up, we were doing all of these interviews remotely. And because of the computers we were using, I didn't have a webcam. So that also made things a lot easier because I don't like having to look at people's faces when it comes to having interviews. Thanks to the remote environment that's still kind of going on, a lot of people are still doing these interviews remotely. And I think hopefully they should continue to keep that up because it will create a lot of stress-free environments for people. But for the most part, I would say try to research, you know, potential questions that somebody might ask you for the role itself and what the most popular behavioral interview questions are because all employers use like the same 10 or so behavioral interview questions. And as a benefits analyst, it seems like you have to provide lots of customer service to probably a wide range of people with uh, different personalities and and different needs. So do you think in any way being autistic um, has helped you to provide quality customer service? Yes. I would say people really appreciate that I'm openly genuine. I don't beat around the bush. I tell people how things are politely, (laughs) but I don't really feel the need to lead employees astray or try and be passive aggressive or try and just not let them know what's going on. I would rather have an employee be comfortable with me and tell me if they're having a problem. Like for example, one of the main things that I'm in charge of is granting ADA requests. I want an employee to be super comfortable with me and know that I will go after their manager looking for approval for an ADA accommodation. I just had to do so um, a couple of weeks ago. It was a lot of back and forth with the manager, but I really stick to my guns and I'm here to help employees out. I'm very much a workers' rights type person. So I would also say my strong sense of advocacy also is good for employees along with long list of customer service jobs I've had in the past. And so it sounds like things are going uh, well for you at work. Um, yes. And I love hearing that. Yeah, I love hearing when when autistic people are getting promoted at work, if that's what they want. But he, I'm even more thrilled when I hear other, other autistic people tr- trying to elevate you know, other autistic and neurodivergent folks. So something you've done in regards to that is work with the employee experience team at Circo to raise awareness for the need of neurodiversity leadership training and interview accommodations. Can you talk a little bit about the results of your work for the employee experience team? Yes, I have been very loud about neurodiversity since I entered the company. So at my last contract, I was like the main advocate for neurodiversity and our diversity and inclusion team, but being promoted over to the corporate side, what happened was last, or no, yeah, this past April, I did a podcast. It was one of the employees on the diversity and inclusion team was doing a podcast that highlights employees on the month, April's Autism Acceptance Month. So I said, hey, can I do a podcast for Autism Acceptance Month? I think this would be really important for other people to hear. So after doing that podcast, I did actually get a fair amount of emails from employees telling me thank you for like putting it out there and saying that there's somebody on the benefits team that has their back. Because during the podcast, I said, if anybody needs me, if anybody wants me to help advocate for them, if anybody's scared to talk to their manager or anything like that, I will back them up. So I have gotten, like I said, a 
fair amount of emails saying thank you and that they might need my help in the future. When it comes to neurodiversity leadership training, I'm currently working on that with both the talent acquisition team and the employee experience team because the talent development falls under talent acquisition. So I'm currently working with the sourcing manager for for one reason to use a I would say kind of like a new type of zip recruiter, but just for neurodiverse individuals, it's called Mentra. I've been partnering with the sourcing manager to see if he wants to use this so we can hire more neurodivergent people. When it comes to manager training, I have been keeping in touch with the CHRO because she's the one that would be in charge of researching that and then passing it down to the management. Since we just recently had a CEO switch, so our recent CEO retired and we have a new CEO. Unfortunately, the neurodiversity training for leadership is kind of like in limbo right now, but people, you know, keep telling me, oh, don't worry, it's it's here. So I guess my job regarding that is to just keep reminding people like, hey, what's up? Are we still doing this? What's going on? <laughs> and yeah, we, we I had interviewed someone on the, in this podcast a while back that works at Mentra. So Shay, shout out to Shay Belsky. Yes. <laughs> Switching topics a little bit. My favorite social media platform is LinkedIn. I'm kind of, the other platforms, I'm kind of staying away from a little bit these days. Yes. <laughs> I just think there are so many different ways that this platform kind of can give you value, professional value. So one avenue that I haven't pursued on LinkedIn, I'm really curious about it, is the uh, LinkedIn courses. In particular, one course that you took that I'd like to learn a little bit more about your experience with was the course regarding uncovering unconscious bias in recruiting and interviewing. What did you kind of learn? What was your overall experience from this course? So first of all, the lady who did that course is a genius. I think she recommended that she has a book written, and I actually want to buy it, and I can send it to you once this interview is over, because I forgot to bring that with me. Basically, what the course was about, it went over a bunch of different biases that people may have in the interview process, and there were, there were at least like nine or ten different biases. And she just goes through each and every one of them, and she gives examples for each of them. Like, you know, there's inherent bias and like a bunch of other stuff on there. She basically talks about all these little things that we think of during the interview process that we're subconsciously thinking, but not necessarily since it's subconscious, we don't pay attention to it. But she kind of uses each of these biases to talk about how we can catch ourselves doing stuff like that and then maybe think about not doing that. Like there's the halo and horn bias, I think, were my two most favorite that she did. The halo bias is basically where you think somebody is just amazing. They're a gem. They can't do anything wrong. You've already settled on them, no matter what of the other candidates seem to say. Like, they are perfect. And then the horn bias is, you know, the opposite of that, which is like, oh, I hate this person. They, they're terrible. They shouldn't be here. And, and you form these biases for, like, very stupid reasons, like, Maybe somebody brings up in an interview, they went to a college that you don't like, or maybe they worked for a company that you don't like, and you immediately form this bias against that person where you're like, oh, wow, ew, they went to Duke University? Gross. I don't want to hire them. So it's just kind of interesting 
how many biases, A, that we can actually hold against people, and B, how they can affect anything during the recruiting process. So I thought that was super interesting. It's not necessarily like neurodiversity related, but I did think it was super cool and fascinating how each of these can be broken down and explained. And you can try and catch yourself if you're in the recruitment process. Well, someone that um, interviews and hires people, I definitely would love to uh, reread that book. I mean, this is a topic that I think is really important because, you know, the key is it's, uh, you know, I think when people accuse, maybe not accuse is the right word, but say that someone has a bias, people automatically jump to this is a good person or this is a bad person because they have a bias, but it's unconscious. So every one of us has some of these biases, right? You mentioned there's nine types of biases. We all have some of these. Yeah, and she basically says to take a step back. Like, if you're reviewing somebody's resume again after the interview, you have to kind of ask yourself, do you really like this person for the skills that they have brought to the table, or do you like them because of, like, X, Y, Z? Like, do you think that they were super charismatic during the interview? Do you think that they smelled good? Do you think that they looked good? Like, there's all sorts of things that could hinder us and kind of blindside us to actually hiring somebody for the reason they should be hired, which is to do the job. (laughs) So I definitely recommend that course. It was great. Just, again, astounded that we can be judgmental in many different ways. The uncovering unconscious bias in recruiting and interviewing was only, I believe, one of 12 courses you've taken through LinkedIn. Were there any other courses that you took that kind of really stood out to you from that platform? I really like the neurodiversity courses that I believe her name is Dr. Jameson has put out. She's already put out one on just blatant neurodiversity, like, you know, covering the basics and talking to individuals who are either on the spectrum or they're ADHDers or they have OCD. But she breaks down what it's like to be neurodivergent at work. She breaks down how managers should react, how they should act towards neurodivergent individuals. And then it also talks about how to make hiring accommodations and interview accommodations for neurodivergent people. So I actually used that LinkedIn Learning A for my grad school classes. The first project that I ever had to do for grad school, I did a report on ways that you could get neurodivergent people hired and the barriers that are currently up in place like right now. And basically, all of the research from that report was that we usually, neurodivergent people, fail during the interview process for a multitude of reasons. So watching the hiring neurodivergent course on LinkedIn actually was super helpful in terms of formatting my research that I needed to do for this paper. And then the other neurodivergent class that Dr. Jameson did was on ADHD. That one was also super informative. I really liked it. And then she said she is also making one on autism. She got greenlit for that one as well. So there will be there'll be one autistic people in the workforce as well. So keep your eyes out for that. I definitely will. When I think about, um, you know, we were talking earlier about human resource management. The idea that there are many metalheads that work in the field isn't the first thing that kind of comes to my mind. However, from, you know, preparing to talk with you, it appears that you are one of those metalheads. I'd love to learn about your uh, interest in metal and what is it about metal that kind of allowed you to connect with it? Absolutely. You know, I think 
it's a tried and true thing. There are a lot of autistic people in the metal scene. A lot. <laughs> lots of autistic people, lots of ADHDers, so many. It's very common, I guess, for people to drift that way because they've been othered their entire life. So now they find this group of people who are also weird. And they're like, hey, you're weird. I'm weird. Let's be friends. Yay. <laughs> and I can't really explain to you why the music clicks with me. It just does. It's like why people like country music. It just kind of clicks. Metal and industrial music are kind of the same for me. So I really like, I'm going to sound like a big nerd for all my friends listening, but I really like death metal, doom metal, new metal, black metal. There's a bunch of different types of metals. And then, you know, there's industrial and industrial electronica that I really like. But I would say that typically autistic people are drawn to these scenes because, again, they've been othered. And you have all of these people that are very supportive and kind who, you know, also, again, have been othered. And it's kind of like a safe space for people to just be themselves, be weird. But like any community, like the metal community has its own problems that we have to sort out, you know, like... Just general, like, we, we have to combat racism, we have to combat anti-Semitism, a whole, and, you know, there are other people that might, other autistic people as well, that we also have to combat. So just like any group, it does have its flaws, but I am very happy that I am at least in a group of friends that don't act that way, <laughs> and that support me and support who I am. My friends in the community have actually been the most supportive about, you know, me talking about autism all the time. Because some of them, you know, they might, a light bulb might go off in their head and they, they go, oh my God, I might be autistic. I have to talk to Dom. Or, you know, somebody might have an autistic child. They'll come to me. Basically, I found this big group of friends who accept me for who I am, and they want to learn from me. And I think that's super great that anybody wants to learn from me at all. <laughs> but I would say the music has definitely brought me too close to people, and it's it's changed my life for the better, as nerdy as that sounds. No, it sounds wonderful. I mean, maybe it sounds nerdy also, but it sounds absolutely wonderful to me. Who are you listening to these days? Like, Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> I really like my friends' band, Sisters of Suffocation. I like Gore Guts. I like, hold on, I'm trying to think. I like Nine Inch Nails. I like Suicide Commando. You want me to go down a whole list? I have a lot of weird band names to list. <laughs> we could probably spend another hour. I appreciate your time, Dominique. Uh, really enjoyed the conversation and learning from you. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much to Dominique for the conversation. To learn more about Dominique, please check out the link in the podcast description for this episode. Did you know Autism Personal Coach provides our clients with support in finding and maintaining employment? If this is something that you're interested in to learn more about, please visit autismpersonalcoach.com for more information. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Autism Stories, and if you did, if you could tell a friend, foe, or anyone you know about it so they could have the same enjoyable and educational experience as you when listening to Autism Stories, it would be very much appreciated. Until next time, I'm Doug Bletcher of Autism Personal Coach. Talk to you then.